For the first time in a long time, we are back with a fantasy baseball podcast for CBSSports.com. Adam Azer, Al Melchior, and Scott White. It's November, and we're podcasting. All right. What's up, guys? Hey, good to be back. Yes. Get uh, out of those doldrums. It's I mean, been... I see you guys all the time, but it's <laughs> nice to sit around and, and talk baseball, right? Mm-hmm, I think yeah. so. It hasn't happened in a while. No, it hasn't. But we did talk about the World Series, you know, amongst ourselves, and we talked about how much I don't like C.J. Wilson amongst ourselves. But now we get to share our thoughts with the rest of the world. And well, we talked about C.J. Wilson on multiple platforms, in the office, in person, on Twitter. Yeah, and now we podcast. Scott, you're awfully quiet over there. Well, Adam, I'm ready to blow up <laughs> at you when you start slinging mud all over C.J. Wilson okay. because I've come to terms seeing all these beat writers talking about how big of a bust of a free agent C.J. Wilson is going to be. I've come to terms with the fact that I am the biggest C.J. Wilson apologist really? on the planet. Really? Seems to be the case. Wow. I'm the only one who likes him. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, we'll get to that. Now, today is November 7th. It's a Monday, and we're going to have some fantasy baseball podcasts for you throughout the offseason. We'll ramp it up as we get into 2012. Melky Cabrera was traded today to the Giants for Jonathan Sanchez, a minor blockbuster. Like, uh, if it's not, I don't know. That's kind of like jumbo shrimp, right? (laughs) Minor blockbuster. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, but it, you know, it's a pretty significant trade. You got a guy who hit 305, 18 homers, 87 RBI, 20 steals, and 102 runs. For Sanchez, who struggled last year but was very good in 2010, uh, uh, let's talk about Mikey Cabrera first. This hurts him, right? That- I, I don't think so. We talked about this in the office here today because the, there's a, a lot of perception of um, AT&T Park in San Francisco being bad for hitters, but really it's at least as good for hitters as oh, Kauffman yeah? Stadium. So I think this could mean a slight upgrade in the end. I don't think this really changes Cabrera's uh, value too well, much. Well, I, th- I still think he loses value because, for starter, how, how is that measured, the the strength of the park hitting versus pitching? Well, like, yeah, and there's I'm multiple not... ways to look at it. You can look at it in terms of home runs, and, of course, it's normalized based on which lineups are in there and all that. But yeah. Um, is a home run park. AT&T is a little better than Kaufman. Um, doubles and triples, I think they're they're pretty equivalent. I, I just feel like Cabrera had something good going on in Kansas City. He was clearly comfortable there. He clearly had uh, a good uh, relationship with hitting coach Kevin Seitzer. And, and you take him out of that and put him in a much worse lineup, let's yeah. be honest, yeah. in San Francisco. It, it's hard for me to believe he, he could be anything but worse with that change um and then jonathan sanchez he goes to the league with the dh uh the better hitters league um and uh you know you could make the argument you could argue whether or not the park's an issue there also so i don't feel like this trade's good for anybody except lorenzo cain who uh, now stands to take over as the starting center fielder for the Royals. Melky Cabrera, take away the park and the new lineup. He had, three, he had a great year. Yeah. And people are going to be skeptical about him if he stayed with the Royals. If right. he went back to the Yankees, it doesn't matter. 
they're going to be skeptical skeptical about whether or not he could repeat that performance. Where do you guys stand on Melky right now? Yeah, I, and I'm one of those skeptics. I think not as skeptical as a lot of the people uh, who are commenting on this trade, and uh, I think probably the majority that you know we've been reading about think that it was probably a better trade for the Royals. But uh, he hit uh, 40 plus doubles this year. I. I just don't see Cabrera hitting quite so many doubles. I do think he could be a 20 home run guy in San Francisco, not, you know, maybe a lot more than 20, but uh, I am skeptical about the batting average and the doubles power. So I think you're right. Even if he stayed put, I don't think he was going to be quite as good as he was this year. Just to put some context on it in my early uh, position by position rankings for the off season, I have him 26th among outfielders which is around the Shinsu Chu, Chris Young, Desmond Jennings range, uh, which is a much lower uh, than uh, than what he performed at uh, in 2011. So, I, I mean, just by ranking him there, yeah, I, I'm saying he's going to decline some. Do I honestly see myself taking him there? Uh, I don't think I'm going to end up with Melky Cabrera in many leagues if that's honestly where he goes. Uh, so I'm. I guess I'd say I'm skeptical too. But if he falls much further than that, I think you know a, a potential 2020 player. I think you got to go for it. The uh, Indians have traded for Derek Lowe. Do you guys care at all about Derek Lowe, the Indian? Not no. not much for fantasy purposes. Uh, I think Scott, the Braves fan, probably. <laughs> yes. I'm guessing you're was, happy. About I was it. thrilled to yeah. uh, save the five million dollars there. I don't know what the Indians are thinking. Quite honestly, yeah, there's they always these moves that are I like, mean, "What are these people thinking?" And this well, is one of them. Well, <laughs> wouldn't you rather? How much would Rich Harden cost? Probably less than five million. Yeah. And uh, then if he doesn't pan out, you have uh, Jean Mar Gomez you could plug in there. So I, I just don't think. It makes sense for them, and I don't think it, it rejuvenates low in fantasy in any way. But for the Braves, it opens up a rotation spot for one of in, those youngsters. Indeed it does. Mike Miner is assured a rotation spot now, I would think. And uh, Mike Majors now. <laughs> hey that, That's right. <laughs> um, Get it? And, and, and something I found out about Miner today, his strikeout per walk ratio was better than Javier Vasquez, who has been a stud as far as that goes for his entire career. Uh, he's in there in the Josh Beckett, uh, Josh Beckett, uh, Felix Hernandez range. So if he already has that figured out, it's not long before a breakout for minor. So I like him a lot as a late round sleeper. The Mets are bringing in the walls at City Field. Thank goodness. Yeah, because that'll help David Wright after they trade. Him. <laughs> eh, never mind. <laughs> Could make a big difference though for this yeah. team. And this ballpark, right? I mean, uh, so yeah. David Wright's on the trading block right now. We don't know about Reyes because he's a free agent, but it's going to help. Not just Wright. It it, uh, it should help Lucas Duda, I was reading. It should help. It, it could uh, lead to a minor resurgence for Jason Bay. I don't think anybody has high hopes for him anymore, but it can only help. And uh, I, I think with this news, Wright isn't nearly as scary as he would have been. I mean, whether he stays or goes, he's going to be in a better hitting environment than he was and, and could get back in that 25 to 30 homer range. So let's look at uh, some of the other news, and then we will talk about postseason performances, the good and the bad, the Arizona Fall League, and some mock drafts. And if we have time, we'll read a couple of emails. Right now it's dmfantasybaseball at cbs.com. But uh, that might change. So, But for now, D as in Dice Games and Matsuzaka, fantasybaseball at cbs.com. CC Sabathia staying with the Yankees. 
do you draft him like an ace number one this year? Uh, and for how how much longer do you think you can keep this up? Well, I think you know at least a couple more seasons. Uh, he's not really that old. I mean, I think probably the biggest concern for him is is his weight. To be honest, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it hasn't really been an issue for him performance wise. So. Yeah, no, I think you draft him as a number one, not number one overall, but as a, a number one pitcher for your rotation this year. And I foresee mm-hmm. that probably at least one or two more years beyond this one. I think there's a clear top three at starting pitcher, Justin Verlander, Roy Halladay, Clayton Kershaw in some order. Yeah, And then right after that, you could slot Sabathia. I actually have him fifth uh, with Cliff Lee in front of him. But uh, there, there's no reason to have any doubts about Sabathia. Roy Oswald is a free agent. Plenty of reasons to have doubts about Roy yeah. Oswalt. Could he be a sleeper this year? Oh, I think he absolutely could if if fantasy owners are as scared off by him as real-life teams are. Uh, you look at his numbers this year. They obviously weren't as good as they were in 2010, but he was still he was still a pretty good pitcher when he was able to take the mound. The back issues are, are chronic, obviously. It looks like they've cost him some velocity, and, and you can't necessarily count on him for 30 starts, but on a per-start basis, depending where he winds up, I think he should uh, should be able to perform like a number four fantasy starting pitcher. And uh, trying to find him in my rankings here, I have him 35th. Which is more like a number, number three, three starting pitcher. Yeah. So, you know, depending on where he goes, he okay. could be a value. Now, out Reyes, Rollins, Fielder, Pujols are some of the marquee free agents here. And the pitching free agents are bad, but the hitters, they're enticing. Reyes, Rollins, Fielder, Pujols. Could you see one of these guys just going way downhill after he signs his next big contract? I think probably the bi- biggest risk there is for Reyes and Rollins, and for Reyes, it's more of a health issue. I think as long as he can be reasonably healthy, he'll still be one of the the top three shortstops. Um, Rollins is is a bigger question mark, um, and he just I don't even know that it's so much that he'll go completely downhill. It's just I think he's already uh, a big step below the top shortstops, and and he's he's not coming back. I don't really see any signs that he's going to completely fall apart. But uh, I don't think a change of scenery or, or anything is really going to bring him back anywhere close to uh, the level of somebody like a Jose Reyes. Where's Pujols going in mock drafts? We're going to take a look at that. I mean, he went number one yeah. in this Roto mock draft. And, in the, and he and, went number one in the head-to-head yeah, mock draft. And in the head-to-head. That's uh, interesting. Neither, neither Al nor I was picking first right. in either of those drafts. I think we would both take Jose Bautista the main reason being he's eligible at third base, and third base is a, a weaker position than first base. Uh, but, you know, th- th- I say that, but if if it actually came up and I had the first overall pick, I have to admit it'd be hard to turn down Pujols because there, there is – you can't go wrong with him. Yeah. I I don't think the Cardinals should re-sign him, for the record, unless they because can get you it. Because you think – It's just – it's the A-Rod thing. The yeah. comparisons are just it, so it obvious. It would have to be too long. Of a deal, yeah. You just you don't, but you don't but pay I for think, the past. You pay for the future, right. and, and it'd be dumb to give him like twenty five million dollars a year. And I imagine he could probably get more than that. And look, they can do it for five years. Be right. one thing if they have to yeah. sign him to a seven to ten year contract. I think that, but yeah, somebody's going to give him seven to yeah. ten years. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I think most general managers understand that when you sign a, 
a veteran free agent to a long-term deal like that, you're going to be overpaying at the back end of that contract. There's no way to avoid it. You just have to do it if you want him on your team because yeah. that's what it's going to take. Yep. Um, and, and then once the time gets here when you're overpaying for him, you just got to figure out a way to budget accordingly. Okay, we'll see where he ends up. So some notable pro- postseason performances, the good and the bad. Chris Carpenter was uh, pretty good. He had that one great game against the Phillies. That was game five, right? Against the Phillies? Him and Halliday? I believe that was five. Or Yeah, it was game five. five. Yeah. Okay. Game five against the Phillies, and that was an outstanding game. And he rebounded this year from a slow start to the season, I guess. So what do you think about Carpenter next year? Yeah, that's a good question because it was sort of, I was going to say two seasons, but it was really about the first two-thirds of the season where he just really wasn't himself. And then those last two months after all those innings were starting to pile up, that he was the Chris Carpenter of old, and then he was really quite good in the playoffs. Yeah. So for me, you know, looking at where I'd slot him in, I'd basically be splitting the difference. I won't have him nearly as high on my draft list this year as I did last. I remember he was... One of the bigger points of contention for for Scott and me last year because I liked him a lot more than Scott did. Uh, I imagine we'll not have as much difference this yeah. year. Yeah, he was my bust pick for the NL when we did that for the media side okay. of CBSSports.com. So I wasn't high on him at all, but I, I actually might be feeling better about him coming out of this season than Al even. Uh, his strikeout rate actually rose from 2010, and he led the NL in innings. And uh, I agree he's not an ace anymore because there's so many high upside pitchers out there. Um, but uh, as my number three starter, kind of, kind of, I see Tim Hudson and Chris Carpenter kind of in the same boat. Uh, similar age, uh, similar potential. So about a number three starter. David Free is at a great postseason. He had 397, five home runs, 21 RBIs in just 18 games. Can he break out? Next season. Uh, I think uh. people are going to overpay for him. You think so? I, oh, I definitely think so because a lot of people didn't know that much about Freeze, yeah. I think, uh, going into postseason, but they all know about him now. Yeah. I, I mean, if you listen to the Cardinals management and what Tony LaRusso and everyone else is saying, they're, they're referring to this as the breakout for D- David Freeze, the, the time he emerges as a star uh, when – I didn't necessarily see him having star potential to begin with. And, Hmm. you know, Bobby Cox, after the playoffs last year, said Derek Lowe was going to win 20 games in 2011. So you kind of have to take that that stuff with a grain of salt. But at the same time, you look at David Freeze's minor league numbers. He was a 320 homer guy every year, right in the prime of his career. Uh Third base, we've talked about it being a weak position. And, and you know he's not going to go ahead of guys like Aramis Ramirez, Mark Reynolds. He, he's going to be beyond the, the top 15, which is going to automatically make him a late-round pick. To me, I don't see any way he, he's not a value if he lasts to that point. I mean, h- how early could somebody justify taking him? Right. Well, you couldn't justify taking him over Ar- Aramis Ramirez? I, I don't see how anybody no. could, knowing what... Ramirez did last year and what he does every year doesn't make sense. Yeah. And and Freeze and Grant, the same thing is true of Aramis Ramirez, but Freeze just really has a lot of trouble staying healthy. He's a very aggressive player. Um, so that's something you have to take in, into consideration, even if he does take that next step forward with his power. Matt Moore was nasty against Texas, and we didn't get to see too much of Matt Moore because the Rays were limited in the first round. But, man, his first start ever against the Yankees, he was great. And then they gave him the ball in game one against the Rangers. 
and he, you know, raised pitcher, if you don't know him, called up late in the season and just absolutely dynamite stuff, guys, as the scout in me loves Matt Moore. Okay, I'd sign him. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, I think you're not alone there. Yeah. I, I think uh, there's no question he's the number one pitching prospect, or really fantasy prospect in general, coming into the new season. An interesting thing to note about him is that in September, when he was up with the Rays, he actually made three relief appearances versus two starts. And you know what that means? That he might be a reliever? He is going to be RP, oh, eligible, RP eligible and I only see. RP eligible to start 2011. Now, obviously, the Rays are going to use him in the starting rotation, so he's going to become eligible there. But Just like Alexi Ogando. Yeah, I, that, that gives him that much more value in head-to-head leagues. And uh, somebody who I think... Uh, might end up sneaking into the top 10 rounds in, in, in mixed leagues. and might be kind of a reach, but I could see him going that early. Well, if you look at what Pineda did last year, yeah. he was a great pick. Ogando was even in a little bit different situation, older guy, but I, I think you take a, ch- a shot on a guy like Moore, I don't think he's going to last as long as Pineda was lasting, right? No, absolutely not. Yeah. In drafts, you mean? In drafts. Yeah, no, and, and nor should he because his upside, I mean, and this is no slight against Pineda because I think he's going to be sensational for a long time, but more has as much upside as any young pitcher uh, in baseball right now. Another guy who had a very good postseason, Mike Napoli, hit three twenty eight, three home runs, 15 runs batted in, 17 games, he drew 10 walks, and he really just got so hot in the second half uh, mm. last season or this season, whatever, 2011 for Texas. So where does he rank amongst catchers? You look at his numbers, they, they'll just blow your mind. 320 with 30-something homers. I mean, it, Mike yeah. Piazza-type stuff. And <laughs> he did it in less than 400 at-bats. And if nothing else, I think his performance in the postseason, the postseason uh, verified that he's going to be uh, an everyday player for the Rangers after being mostly in and out of the lineup this year. So I like him fourth at that position, ahead of... Buster Posey and Joe Maurer, who are both coming back from injury in uh, situations. I have Napoli as an elite top, top catcher. All right. Do you like him better than Alex Avila? Avila was just three for 41 in the postseason. I do. He was banged up, really banged up late in the season and in the postseason. He's got that same kind of ability to hit for power that Napoli does, and you know he's going to get his at-bats. I think that's still a little bit of a question mark for Napoli. And the thing I've always said about Napoli is even with less than full-time at-bats, he'll give you full-time production. Well, you could see the same about Alex Avila, except he will get full-time at-bats. So who do you like better? So I like Avila better. You like Avila better. Okay. Wait, I thought you just said you like Napoli better. You did, but he he missed... I, he, my, my he, brain accidentally, said he accidentally said that he liked uh, well, well, I'm glad you guys are okay. clear on yeah. what okay. I was trying to say. But how do you, you like uh, Napoli better? Or Yeah, I actually have Avila 7th and Napoli 4th. Okay. So probably about a difference between two or three rounds. Uh, the catcher is surprisingly deep going into next year. More of the bad. C.J. Wilson, Scott, 5.79 ERA in the postseason. It was just 2.92 in the World Series, but he walked 11 in 12 and a third. I am unimpressed. The scout in me is unimpressed with C.J. Wilson. You know, he's not that bad. I didn't know there was a scout in you. Oh, there is now. I host host Fantasy Baseball Podcast, and all of a sudden I'm a scout. Um, I, I don't think he's a terrible pitcher or anything. He will get overpaid. but uh, As every free agent will. I actually think that... His value might drop so much that he might outperform his draft value now because <laughs> people are so down on him. But what do we well, 
S- certainly, uh, the podcast listeners that subscribe to the Adam Azer Scouting approach department, yeah. to drafting uh, will take him too late. Uh, I, you know, this this animosity from you stems from the all-star picks where you didn't think he was a deserving all-star. and then It's he, just he kind was, of developed into, like, something weird. The, yeah. the truth is, I think I drafted him in the podcast league or another one of my leagues, I don't know, and I took him really late and I couldn't understand why he was falling, and he ended up having a very good year considering where he was drafted. And I do think he's a good pitcher. I just don't think he's a great pitcher. But over the well, course of a season, he'll put up good numbers. He's not a fantasy ace. Right. But he's... The next best thing to a fantasy ace. He's a number two fantasy starter in my mind, uh, just outside of the top 15. And uh, Does the, you know, postseason the postseason change performance, anything? it was bad. It was ugly. The control that, that, wasn't, that he improved during the regular season suddenly disappeared on him. But I think uh, a lot of times you, you kind of have to overlook postseason performances because it's such a different animal. The window is so much smaller. Uh, certain players rise to the occasion. Other players, you know, kind of falter under it. And and I don't know that. I I think the 162 game regular season tells us a lot more about Wilson than than what happened to him in the playoffs. Yeah, and I agree. And you're also usually playing more of an elite level of talent in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Too. So I mean, all he, that factors in. With Texas, he's still going to be. Facing Seattle, however many times a year. Oakland, however I don't many think, times a year. Do you think they're going to resign him? <sighs> yeah, I guess that was a probably not the best point to bring up. But I mean, they but could, again, but. you even if you look at, let's say, he goes to the Yankees. I mean, you got Baltimore. That's an easy matchup. Um, yeah, I would not go the route of Tampa, saying that the AL East is going to give them anywhere close to as many cream puffs. No, matchups. it won it. Yeah, but Baltimore is good. Tampa Bay. You know, they, have they to don't go to have a, a great lineup, park. probably. They have to get out of Texas because, Al, you mentioned before the show, he has a great road ERA, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, one of the best in the league. And um, But as somebody who I can't remember but uh, pointed out on, on Twitter today about Wilson that he does get this benefit of pitching in the AL West with those away parks for him that are good pitchers' parks and uh, you don't have very good opposing lineups playing in those parks, uh, Seattle, Oakland, and... Um, Yikes, who did I just the Angels? Angels. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Um so yeah, um there's there's a lot to to, you know, to consider there with Wilson, but I think we can overthink it and you know, Scott pointed out to me which is the most relevant thing, which is the really significant improvements in his control. Um so I think that you can count on him to to carry that over till next season. I'm just worried he's going to break down. He's really thrown a lot of innings the last two seasons, hasn't he? Yeah, I was more worried about that Coming into this year, uh, when he was buried in the rankings, as 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 much as people you talk about people undervaluing him potentially going into 2012, it was yeah, no, no, it I was know. way more so in 2011. It was absurd. Yeah, um, and if he he actually improved with that big increase in innings, um, that's not going to scare me as much this year. It, it's always a factor for any pitcher who's consistently going over 200 innings. But All right, One thing to keep in mind, though, if the Rangers don't make a serious effort for him, it could tell you something about it. It could be like John Lackey. Because a lot of times teams know their pitchers very well, and if they don't make a significant effort for him, they might know that they, that he should be avoided. Yeah. I just don't see any signs of that. This is a guy who's been on the rise in exactly. terms of his performance. Lackey, Lackey sort of plateaued off. Right, well, Lackey. Lackey was good for the he, he Angels. Was he was good, good but that but last year he wasn't as dominant as he was in the yeah. years leading up to it. And 
yeah, I just don't have the same feeling about okay. Wilson that I did about Lackey. Well, you're you're the apologist, so why would you? <laughs> <laughs> Sean Markham had a terrible postseason, zero and three with a fourteen nine zero ERA. Yeah, and here's the the contrast with uh, Markham and Wilson because you can look at both of these guys and be apologists for both of them and say small sample, high level of elite talent in the in the playoffs. But Markham's slide started in September. And the magnitude and the difference in the slumps is pretty big. So I'm, a, I'm not at all worried about Wilson um, based on the postseason numbers. I'm very worried about Markham based on September and October. Yeah. Okay. No um, Number three? Number just no, no command whatsoever. Number three starter for you next year? No. no. I, I, I'd say probably more four. I mean, I'm not yeah. completely writing him off, but I, I think there's a lot of guys I'd be more trustworthy. I, uh, I dropped three. him. To number forty-seven, and this was Al and I conferring yeah. on this after his postseason performance. So barely a number four, and uh, after guys like Brandon Beachy, Jordan Zimmerman, Clay Buckholtz. So a, a lot of a lot of pitchers I'd take over Markham. Al, what's going on in the Arizona Fall League other than Bryce Harper's new mustache? Well, I think that just might be the most noteworthy thing there. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, it's uh, not a good look <laughs> in, in, in my scout's uh, mind. Oh but, well. Uh, I I really don't know one mustache that the only time mustaches look good is if that's the only way you're used to seeing somebody, right? I suppose. You know, it's like, oh, that guy has a mustache. But if somebody grows a mustache, like somebody in the in his twenties or thirties or whatever, or Harper's not even that, right? Um, it's just not a good look. And it's Movember right now, so I get it. <laughs> But it's it's not a good look. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that's the thing. Maybe he's just too young to grow it. But uh, there were there was there was some impressive impressive facial hair in the uh, Arizona Fall League Rising Stars game. But uh, more impressive than that were some of the performances that we did see on the field. In particular, Danny Holson was one of the two starting pitchers. It was neat what they did. They had the number one and number two overall picks from the June draft oppose each other as starting pitchers in that game. Holson was outstanding. Pitched two innings, three strikeouts. Um, looked really good. Garrett Cole didn't even make it out of the first inning. He was uh, em- eminently hittable. So, Yikes. Um, but again, I, you know, the thing with the Fall League is that small samples, of course, hitter-friendly environment. There's a lot of variables there, um, you know, that just uh, make the numbers really untrustworthy. So it was fun to watch these guys. <laughs> excuse me. Fun to watch them pitch. Not much you can really take away from it other than the fact that these guys who were the two top overall picks uh, this past year, they're finally in a competitive professional setting. Uh, they're on their way. But really, it's it, you know once they get into the minor leagues, uh, next spring is when you really, I think, can, can start to take some serious stock of uh, where they're going. Now, do either of these guys have a chance of pitching in the big leagues their rookie season? I, or, you know, not their rookie, their first right. year. Uh, I think they both do. I like Holtz's chances a little bit better just based on things that I've read and certainly just from you know what I saw the other night in the Rising Stars game, he looked very good. Um, granted, that wasn't against Major League Talent. So I think they both have a chance. Uh, I would say Cole's chance is probably not that high, and the Pirates have a lot of pitching talent in their system, and they can you know I think they can take their time and you know let them uh, get their seasoning in the minors. Never too early for a mock draft. So let's look at, you know what? We got two mock drafts here. I'll let you guys pick. Which one should we focus on? Head-to-head or Roto? Well, the head-to-head's further along. Well, we're only going to do round one today. And the next time we Well, head-to-head's on the top of my pile here, so I think that's a good reason. Head-to-head. Head-to-head it is. So Al had the third pick. Scott had the fifth pick. And here's the first round of the 
current head-to-head draft, which is available on our website, fantasynews.cbsports.com. Pujols won. It's 12 teams. Pujols won. Bautista 2. Tulowitzki 3 to Al Melchior. Al? Yeah, and I, st- I actually did struggle with that a little bit because I think Tulowitzki is clearly the uh, the class of the shortstop uh, group this this year um, with Hanley Ramirez coming in with so many question marks. But, um, you know, it's hard to pass up on, on guys like Miguel Cabrera, um, you know, maybe even Jacoby Ellsbury, uh, Brian, Ryan Braun, and all those guys went, you know, in the picks just thereafter. Uh, Robinson Cano, actually, I thought went uh, maybe a tad late at number 10. I know I'm getting ahead of, of, of ourselves Unbelievable. Here. But, you know, the point is that, you know, <laughs> after, after Pulis and Bautista are off the board, I, I don't know that it's it's absolutely obvious that Tulowitzki is your you know is your best option. Um, I think it is, but uh, I know Scott you know, Scott <laughs> does um, more than more yeah. this year than ever before because you look at the shortstops after Tulo. We talked about Rollins and his issue, Reyes's injury issue, Hanley has injury issues. As Drupal Cabrera is he legit? I, I mean, there's there's not a safe shortstop. After too low, he's the only one. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, and he hits three hundred with thirty homers every year. Okay, hey, I'm sold. Jamie Eisenberg took Ryan Braun fourth, and then Scott took Miguel Cabrera fifth. I did, and uh, it was just a case of he—he uh, he was the number one first baseman in fantasy this past year. Um, you know, obviously that's the high scoring position. That kind of production is impossible to turn down, even though I, I consider myself something of a position scarcity guy. Uh, it would have been too much of a reach for uh, uh, to, to go for a, a, a weak position guy there. And then that was followed by Matt Kemp, six. So it went Pujols, Bautista, Tulo, Braun, Miguel Cabrera, Kemp, Ellsbury, seventh, Adrian Gonzalez, eighth, Halliday, nine. Cano 10, Vado 11, Pedroia 12. And I think things get interesting here in this last half of the first round because, um, as I just mentioned, Cano, I think, has not quite the same edge that Tulo has in terms of uh, dominance no. in, a, in a scarce. But he, I, I wouldn't even call him the number one second baseman. Kinsler? I would go with Pedroia number one. But but it, it's that it's that cluster of three at the top of the yeah, position and that there does that, su- that stand out over the rest. They're they're all those three are pretty close. The rest are a good distance behind. Why yeah. Pedroia? Because of steals. Because o- of everything. Um, steals. He doesn't strike out as much. He walks a lot more. Um, you know, OPS wise, it's 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 not really. Well, I. I, I it, it might be closer than I'm giving it credit for, but Pedroia clearly has the edge and, and on-base percentage-wise also. Yeah, I'm still a little bit skeptical of Pedroia's power in terms of comparing him to somebody like Cano. I mean, Well, clearly. yeah, no, Cano has more power. Yeah. I agree with that completely. But, but you know, and, and again, I mean, ultimately I did take, you know, Tulo in that number three spot, so he is more valuable than Cano. But I think Cano's better than a number 10 guy. When you look at the guys ahead of him, Adrian Gonzalez... Great year, um, but you know I think the shoulder probably should be healthier this year than last. But I think a little bit of concern there. Batting average regression I feel like is almost a certainty with Gonzalez. Uh, Roy Halladay will be a great number one pitcher for somebody, but there there are some other options, and I'm not even clear. You talked about a big three in no particular order, mm-hmm. but I would be inclined to uh, maybe go with Kershaw, not Verlander. See, but, I would go with Verlander number yeah. one. So. 
Yeah, I think Verlander's due for a little bit of regression, too. And then Adam Moore, who picked Roy Halladay, would go Halladay. So. Right. And, you know, <laughs> and, and the point here isn't that I'm convinced that I'm right or, or that you're right, yeah. but that you know, it's, it's a debatable topic, and that, to me, means that Halladay maybe should be taken a little bit later because you do have some equivalent options. Um, I would rather see Votto go ahead of, uh, ahead of Gonzalez. So, me, too. Yeah, I see some, you know, some jumbling here in the late first round. No problems with Ellsbury's seventh. No, I'm. Yeah. The more I look at Ellsbury, the more I'm talked into him as opposed to talked out of him. Uh, he's just a stud across yeah. the board, and and you know there, there's no reason for me to really think his power is going to decline that much. No, not at all. And it's you would think that there would be some sign out there that that was going to happen because it was such an incredible increase over anything he'd ever done at any level before. But you know how we've talked about hit tracker data, you know, in, in past podcasts. And, um, you know, that's the site where you see the, the measurement of, of every home run that's hit and which ones went out by a lot and which ones didn't go out by yeah. a lot. Uh, I wish I had the numbers in front of me, but for Ellsbury, I was so skeptical of his power surge this past year. I thought there has to be a lot of cheap shots in there. Some incredibly small number of his home runs were short distance. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he just had a great year. I do want to mention something about Cano. I don't think it's so much the strikeout. I, I, I talked about him striking out more Pedro, than Pedroia. I don't think that's necessarily the case. It's more the walks that distinguish those two. Sure. All right, so again, it was Pujols, Bautista, Tulowitzki, Braun, Cabrera, Kemp, Ellsbury, Adrian Gonzalez, Halliday, Cano, Vado, Pedroia. That's round one of our draft. Uh, as we do more podcasts throughout the offseason, we'll do more mock drafts, get further into this one here. So let's read some emails here at DM Fantasy Baseball at CBS.com. Uh, this one comes from Dave Hintz in Des Moines, Iowa. I'm in a 16-team head-to-head league where we are allowed, allowed to keep three players. For the 2012 season, which of the following three would you keep? It's a head-to-head league, but each category is a win, so it's categorical. Um, keep three here for next year. Braun, Andrew McCutcheon, David Wright, Hosmer, Trumbo, Markham. All right, I've crossed off Trumbo and Markham. Uh, oh, come on. It's easy. It's easy. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Braun, McCutcheon, right? They're all both first three rounders. And uh, Hosmer is more like a seventh or eighth rounder. Well, but it's a keeper league. I'm, I'm not nah. assuming it's one year only. But they're all young enough. I mean, it's not like you're talking about keeping Lance Berkman. It's Braun, McCutcheon, and Wright. Well, that is where I was leaning, but I gave some thought to, to Hosmer because long-term... Yeah. I think within a couple years, okay. we're going to wish we had him instead of David Wright. Okay. What about the steals angle? Those three give steals, and Hosmer doesn't. Not as many. Okay. Yeah. So I won't argue with you on that. One more email. <laughs> <laughs> One more email comes from Kevin from Devon. Would you rather have Hayward at 15 bucks or Hanley at 34 for 2012? Head-to-head points league. Hayward for 15. Mm, those are both overpriced, Hanley I think. I, I would say Hanley at 34 is going to be closer to what he actually goes for. Uh, Hayward. You know, Hayward's an interesting player. Um, I, I could see him still being drafted in like the number two, number three outfielder range. I have him significantly lower than that because... He was so bad. I I need to see some something from him at least this spring before I I uh, I would want to invest that heavily in him. 
so I I could see him going around fifteen dollars, but it 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 would be a reach, I'd think, and and uh, not something you necessarily want to sign yourself up for. Yeah, I have a I just have a feeling, and maybe it's just based on the discussions that I've heard uh, around here around our mock drafts that Hayward could maybe fetch more than fifteen in the spring. Wow. I think a lot of people think he's going to uh, rebound, but um, yeah, I agree that I think. Um, you know, there's a risk in, on both sides here of um, them not uh, not performing up to that level. But um, uh, yeah, I think I would have to go with Hanley because I'm just you know pretty certain that he's going to get back close to where he was. All right, guys, good to hear from you again. We'll be back. I don't know, maybe two weeks, maybe maybe every other Monday for a little while, and then we'll pick it up as we get closer to 2012 and then closer to spring training and draft time. But if you want to send us an email, please do so. We'll read it on the air. And if I could, I'd like to drop in a plug here for our uh, Facebook page. Oh, sure. Um, I'm currently in the process of working on our 2012 player projections. And on a week-by-week basis, I'm going to release small little samples of the projections. And uh, it'll be with a poll. So before I release what the projections are, I'll have a poll and say, here's a a stat line, which player does it belong to. Oh, that's cool. Uh, There'll be a poll, and then that'll lead into a a, a column that reveals some of our uh, first run of projections. So uh, that'll be off of our uh, Fantasy Sports uh, Facebook page. I have a suggestion for you. Which stat line, who does this belong to? Uh, 11 walks and 12 and a third innings in the World Series. Uh, That would be (laughs) C.J. Wilson. Yeah, ding, ding, ding. That's the past. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, everybody. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. For Scott now, I'm Adam. See ya.